The following is a presentation of AOW Productions. This program contains adult content. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts of this program do not necessarily stand to reflect those of this station or its management. Bringing you controversy at its best with uncensored music, comedy, and political discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Outlaw Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Outlaw Radio for the 13th of November, 2021. I'm your host, Bad Billy, and I got a good show lined up for you. Almost had to cancel due to lack of guests, but I managed to pull something off and still got a show for you. Before I get into some details, I want to tell you to visit the Outlaw Radio store. Go to outlawradioabs.com. That's Outlaw Radio Alpha, BravoSierra.com. One thing you may want to take advantage of uh, this coming Christmas season is get some cranked up coffee. Uh, everybody in their fa- has someone in their family that loves coffee. And yes, I have cranked up coffee, Serato and Grindhouse Brew, $7.50 a pound plus $3.50 shipping and handling. So uh, hit me up if you want some of that. Uh, send me an email at outlawradioabs at gmail.com and uh, work something out and I'll get you some coffee. All right. So in just a little bit, you're going to hear a conversation between Matt Connerton of WMNH in Manchester, New Hampshire. Him and I, uh, we had a discussion about things going on in the world. In the second hour... Uh, Outlaw Radio's uh, AOW Classics. So I'm uh, reaching into the archives and uh, decided to pick the uh, interview that I did back in 2013 with the magic man Don Madge. Of course, he's a South African fighter who uh, did progress on to the uh, UFC. So, yeah, we'll hear the, uh, that classic interview. In the third hour, I'll be joined by, with Matt Connerton again for something we haven't done for a while here on Outlaw Radio. Before I get to that, I want to cue the first song of the show. This is Road to Nowhere by Dirty Johnny. And I'll be back with Matt Connerton right after this. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. From a rented basement, because Bad Billy's mom threw him out. It's Outlaw Radio.
dusty road Road goes nowhere The dust settles on a row of green Sunset it hides my trail The trail between you and me I guess the time is best Left behind you You know we gotta go Nothing left for us to see Just keep on driving, baby Somewhere that we gotta be Going down on the road to nowhere I'm just trying to get to somewhere Some beats down on my dash An old familiar smile comes across my face You sit beside me With your hands in mine Just leave our worries and troubles behind yeah. You know we gotta go Nothing left for us to see Just keep on driving, baby Somewhere that we gotta be Going down on the road to nowhere I'm just trying to get to somewhere thrill seeker rocking out to the station i hear you you're probably even sipping on a drink right now an average blah blah drink in a can or bottle one that doesn't quite hit the spot for you i'll bet you want something different don't you something more take your shot with cold cock whiskey the best whiskey anywhere why because it's different from other liquors cold cock whiskey is herbal whiskey 100 all natural herbs blended with aged american whiskey no more morning 
after sugar hangovers from other liquors with cold cox blend of herbs including green tea hibiscus ginger eucalyptus and more you'll be in herbal heaven cold cock whiskey available at spirit stores and distributors america wide find one near you at coldcockwhiskey.com follow cold cock whiskey on facebook twitter and instagram celebrate those special moments with friends raise your glass take your shot you must be 21 or older to drink cold cock whiskey please drink responsibly because there are some people out there who need practical advice and yes i'm talking about you wisdom beyond value from the desk of mr holland i wonder if men think with the wrong head do women speak with the wrong lips Ooh, is that mr holland yes ma'am please don't touch Freedom of speech is the most important civil liberty in a democratic society. It's our biggest weapon against fear and conformity and protects us from living under a communist government. It's important for individuals and social growth and it protects us from censorship and corruption. Don't be silenced. Express your freedom of speech. This message is brought to you by the NAB Education Foundation, the Broadcast Education Association, McCormick Foundation, and this station. So you go into your sporting goods or firearms store to get that gun and ammunition you've been wanting to buy, only to find out that the store doesn't have it. Worse yet, the shelves are bare. They're empty. Ugh. Well, that's why there's GunBroker.com. You want it? GunBroker.com's got it. Guns, gun parts, ammo, ammo storage, reloading equipment, binoculars, scopes, sights. Did I mention guns? Pistols, rifles, handguns, shotguns, machine guns, paintball guns, archery supplies, tools, jewelry, watches, even musical instruments and gear. Yes, GunBroker.com has those too. I'm telling you, they have it all. There are even auctions where you can bid on certain items. The folks at GunBroker.com know their stuff. They've been in business for over 20 years with over 6 million happy registered users. Why not become one of them? GunBroker.com. Go there. Check it out. Register today. It's 100% free. GunBroker.com. GunBroker.com. Hey, I'm Nick, and you're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we say what the fuckity fuck we want. No exceptions. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard Road to Nowhere by Dirty Johnny. Yes, a local band right here out of the Twin Falls, Idaho area. And now it's time to go to Outlaw Radio World News with my special guest, Matt Connerton. Here we go. Outlaw Radio World News. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this edition of Outlaw Radio World News got uh, some last minute changes, and I want to thank Matt Connerton of WMH out of New Hampshire for stepping up and helping me out. Matt, how you doing? Good, Billy. Uh, I'm honored to, to be here. Thank you uh, for inviting me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yes. You know, I've uh, been listening to uh, Matt Connerton Unleashed while I can, and I've been hearing some interesting stuff. You know, I mean, it's obvious that uh, our, politic- our political uh, views are not 100% on par like uh, a lot of my guests are, but uh, they're 
on the, at the same time, um, you know, you and I have, have some in common there, too. Oh, definitely. Uh, yes. Uh, first off, though, uh, uh, cr- Crazy Joe Jose Martinez, <laughs> once again. He, yeah, he disappears for about a week. Yeah, he and, does. And and we, we have no idea what's going on, nor do we really care. <laughs> you know, um, of course, he's all over Robin Slim, and we heard last week how he, the things he said to to Robin Slim were just oh my goodness, uh, un- unbelievable. You know the um, you know, and 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 the gay humors. <laughs> you gotta think, what the fuck is the, up with this guy? You know, and yeah, he's very uh, he's very hyper focused on the gay stuff. You know, he um, he does like to flirt because in happier times when he and I were on good terms, you know, this was before I knew he was racist and homophobic and misogynist and anti-Semitic and uh, is uh, Islamophobic and transphobic and all of that. Um you know, before I knew all of that, and it's remarkable that he was able to hide it as long as he was, he used to like, he'd call my show and, and he'd be very complimentary. He would tell me how handsome I am. He would talk about wanting to come to New Hampshire to feel my muscles, uh, things like that. So are, are you serious? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's his shtick. Um, oh, oh. Even now, uh, you know, every once in a while, I'll get a text message from him and he'll kind of. I think he's uh, trying to kind of see if if there's still any possibility of us working together, and he'll uh, he'll tell me I'm handsome, you know, and I just kind of ignore him. But uh, yeah, he's he, he likes to flirt. <laughs> Has oh boy, if Robin Slim get a hold of this material? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh well, yeah, no, he, he he'd say that all the time, and and to the point where it would get kind of tiring. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. I, not that it bothered. You know, I'm certainly not homophobic. Actually, I have a, a bit of a gay following. Uh, I've been hit on by uh, many a gay dude uh, over the course of my life, and I actually find it flattering. It's nice to be thought of as attractive. I uh, certainly cannot reciprocate that because I myself am not gay. But uh, but but in Joe's case, I don't think he's gay. Either I think he just um, thinks that flattery will get him somewhere, but uh, the reality is he is so toxic. Um, and I don't know if you heard that on your end. I'm using a new computer, and it just made a chiming sound. No, I didn't. Okay, good. No. good. Okay, I'm glad it's not coming through no. on the recording. Then. It kind of reminds, I mean, kind of reminds me. Kind of reminds me that uh, there. <laughs> this was uh, when I was in Memphis, Tennessee, back in uh, 2006, and I'm. I'm at the uh, bus station for the uh, public transport, and there, there's this, there's this young dude, young black dude, and he, I don't know, he's sitting there, he's well dressed. He, I mean, I, I think he might have been a University of Memphis student. I don't know, just, but randomly, it just comes out of his mouth, looks at me, and goes, "You walk around like you got a big dick." I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what? And then he goes, well, whip it out. Let me see it. I'm like, what? Are you kidding wow. me? We're out in public for one. Number two, I don't swing that way. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, plus, I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm a little bashful, so, you know, I wouldn't, uh, I'm not I wouldn't gonna, do that anyway. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> No, 
<laughs> some people, I swear. <laughs> you well, know, you know, I'm Irish, so if someone says that to me, I, I just uh, I, I tell them, you know, Connerton is an Irish last name, so I don't want to disappoint you. Well, <laughs> uh, well, it, in my situation, you know, I mean, I'm not a homophobic prick. Yeah. You know, and and I'm 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 gonna laugh it off now. If you put your hands on me, oh yeah, that, then, well, that's different. <laughs> then then it, then it's game on. There, that's gonna yeah. make me look somewhat homophobic. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> but well, yeah, I, I, th- that's different though. I mean, I yeah, I've never like I said. I mean, I've had a lot of gay dudes hit on me, but I've never had anyone actually try mm-hmm. to physically make a pass at me. You know, it, it's yes. always just been flirting or whatever and it's just you know yeah i just laugh it off like i said it's kind of flattering you know yeah <laughs> um, uh, moving on uh, slightly changing the subject as you know i mean on your show you won't even mention his name you, mm-hmm. you'll say her i'll say his yeah but stacy lawton in this last election did i guess did win the seat that uh he was a write-in for, and this, I don't know what, it, the city of Nashua, do, what, do they just want corrupt officials? Because this isn't the first doozy they've elected into their office. I mean, somebody else who is somebody totally different, but obviously not a good person from what I can gather. Yeah. So I don't know much about the local politics in Nashua, but my suspicion is this. I think it's probably just like a lot of places where people just don't get actively involved in local politics and people aren't really paying attention. So a lot of these races, I, because I think I had heard somewhere that the last time Stacey ran for state rep, she was unopposed or something. So it was easy for her to win or something like that. So I, I, think, um, I think what happens is people just don't pay attention. Uh, to these local races. You know, I can tell you here in Manchester, uh, you know, we, we just had an election here. And when I went to vote, and it was strictly a municipal election, but when I went to vote, you know, I voted for mayor and I voted for uh, a couple of other things. But there were also some things on the ballot where I didn't even fill out because I didn't know any of the people running. I wasn't familiar with, you know, that, you know, an obscure local office that I, okay, I don't even know what they do, you know? So, um, so even me, who's a political junkie, there's things going on in my city where, you know, I just won't vote for certain people. I'll I'll leave the, that part of the ballot actually blank because I just don't know. And I'm not going to guess. And I suspect in Nashua, it there, there's probably a lot of apathy about local politics so it's uh, so that's how this happens. That's my assumption because I don't know what else it could be. <laughs> like how else does a freak like Stacy Lawton? And of course, here I can say her. See, I'm not I'm not supposed to say her name. I, I made an agreement with management at WMNH not to say her name on WMNH anymore. Obviously, here I can say it. Um, but, uh, you know, but she's, you know, when she's threatening lawsuits and everything, you know, I had a meeting with my boss and, you know, this is what we agreed mm-hmm. to just to, just so she doesn't have any excuse to cause any trouble. I don't know who would ever take her case, but, um, but that's my theory. I think yes. it's just people not paying attention and just voting for whoever's on the ballot. And, uh, I think, uh, 
I think she won. She just became a selectman in Nashua, but I think it was by write-in. So there may not have been anyone on the ballot. I I don't know, but it is remarkable yeah. that uh, that a place could have such low standards for their local officials that they'll elect these complete freaks. It's uh, yeah. astonishing. You know, and, and for one, I did not vote at all that day here in my area just to show because you know i really as far as my local politics go you know i mean you know it seems like a lot of the state of idaho they'll just if uh, they don't know anything about that uh who's running whatever they see an r or a d they're just idaho's such a, a red state they're just gonna pick the r right you know and it's, it's like uh, i I used to be that way, but now I realize there's got to be something more because uh, the term right wing, left wing has truly defined the fact that uh, Democrats and Republicans are now nothing more than two wings of the same dirty bird. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, I mean, if I don't, if I don't know about it, uh, what's the point, you know, and just vote somebody just because they're a Republican. And even though I... The Democrat may bring something to the table that might be in the favor and doesn't oppose my other views. I, but uh, you know, I'm not really paying attention to the to the city politics here, and that's all. All it was was the city politics. Yeah. But uh, you know, and Stacy, uh, for the the videos I posted on YouTube, she says it's bullying, it's harassment. She uh, he's getting the LBGTQ whatever and. The transgender portion has nothing to do with it at all. Right. It's it's the the way you act. Mm-hmm. I mean, act right. You know, act the, the way a politician is supposed to. You know, don't don't ascend material about penises to something. That's not what a what an elected official does. Right. You know, an elected official doesn't play on the phone. Um, you know, uh, they're supposed to hold themselves to a much higher standard. Mm-hmm. I mean, I you don't, as much as I cannot stand AOC or, or you, O-A-O-C, or I call her AOC after John B. Wells picked that up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, she, she is somebody I, I absolutely cannot stand, but yet I do not see her pulling this kind of crap that Stacy does. Right, of course, of course. Um, what's interesting is, you know, you, you, you mentioned it has nothing to do with LGBTQ. It has nothing to do with her being transgender. And um, <clears throat> and I, I understand why, you know, you point that out, because we live in a climate where, you know, you, you have to be so careful because you can you can be critical of someone and and they will play that card or others will play that card on that person's behalf and say, oh, you're you just don't like her because of this or that. But the interesting thing is Stacy is so obviously out of her mind and 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 just a freak that she can't even get away with playing that card. I can tell because I, I've been concerned about this because, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not transphobic. I'm, my attitude is everybody should just be whoever they want to be. I have no problem with it. Um, but um, I have not had one single person say to me 
And I, I really kind of expected it to happen. I haven't had one single person say to me, oh, Matt, you're, you're, you're going after her. You're just bullying her because she's transgender. Um, and I haven't heard anyone say that about you or anyone else who's been critical of her either. So she is so far gone that she can't even get away with playing that card because no one takes her seriously and, and she's got nobody on her side. I mean, the fact of the matter is, too, I mean, I would not have publicly voiced support for Caitlyn Jenner because, number one, you look at the state of California. If it's going to take a transgender to unfuck California, then, uh, you know, all the power to them. They have my full support. You know, I, I, I lived in California during the last of the conservative days there. I remember... Michael Dukakis was a laughing stock, even though they had no, you know, everybody uh, there was absolutely loved Ronald Reagan and expected George H.W. Bush to carry the torch for him when uh, really uh, one of the best Republicans we ever had had the one of the worst vice presidents, you know, that uh, claimed the presidency. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, so he was definitely a disappointment. We knew that by 1992. But Michael Dukakis was a complete, total laughingstock in the state of California. You know. Who, who, was, who was governor when you lived there? Pete Wilson, I believe, was his name. Okay, and, yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, that, that time, you know, we, God, I was, you know, this is kind of funny, man, just because uh, when my grandmother passed away a little over 10 years ago, and I, I had a lot of my property at her house, and I'm going through what to throw away and what to keep, I found some old pictures, and they're up on my Facebook, too. I took of the gas prices back then in 1988, because I was asked to take a picture of them because they went up a whole five cents. We're talking <laughs> 53 cents a gallon. Right. Yeah, so, you know, wow. I, I found that, you know. But, uh, you know, California didn't always be the liberal hellhole that it is now. You know, I, when I lived there, it's, it, was, it was a completely different place. I mean, we're even talking, uh, you know, Los Angeles, San Francisco. You yeah. know, we're, we're, I mean. There that, are conservative areas, though, of California. I mean, that, yeah, but that, uh, California used to be a, the reddest state on the map. Mm-hmm. And now it's, it's, well, it's gone into pretty far blue waters, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it, yeah, if Caitlyn Jenner can get in there and clean up the mess that uh, Gavin Newsom has just made over there, you know, and between, you know, and, and how he got out of the recall was shortly was because Biden had showed up shortly right before the, the recall was... Uh, pretty much uh, voided, you know. And Larry Elder, the black face of white supremacy, as ridiculous as that sounds. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, he, he didn't campaign enough or else probably it would have been more successful, I think. I don't know, though. Like you just said, it's a very blue state. So um, pretty hard to unseat... Uh, I mean, not that it hasn't been done before. I mean, Gray Davis was uh, unseated in a recall election, uh, and that's how uh, 
So you weren't there when when Schwarzenegger was elected, or oh, were you? No, you no. Were gone by then. I was very close. I was living in Reno, Nevada, when uh, Schwarzenegger was uh, won the race. But uh, okay. But uh, no, I wasn't living in California. I moved from California when I was uh, sixteen, and uh, really didn't look back. Yeah, <laughs> so, because it wasn't really the place for me at the time, you know. But uh, I don't know what happened. I don't remember whatever happened to Pete Wilson because I remember he was a fairly popular governor, right? Wasn't he going to be the next uh, Republican big star and 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 run for president? I don't remember what happened to the guy. He, I think he did have a presidential campaign, but I, you know, just kind of fell on the way, wayside. You know, he didn't get as far as that of a Mitt Romney or. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, I can't really tell you a whole lot about him because I was so young back then, you know. Yeah, I me was, too. I, yeah. I mean, you know, the only politics I kept up on even somewhat remotely was what the president was doing. And uh, I remember people were starting to hate Bush by within uh, the first year. But, uh, you know, I was too too young to really understand why. You know. Yeah. You know well, that George George H W Bush. That to me is a fascinating presidency, because um, when the Iraq War hit, you know the the first the first Gulf War, um, he actually had because it was so successful because it was so quick, kicking Saddam out of Kuwait. He actually had a ninety percent approval rating, and it had never occurred to me until he passed away and somebody brought it up by that metric that actually makes him the most popular president in American history, a 90% approval rating. No one else has come close to that number. And then, and I remember having, uh, after that war was over, which was, again, it was very quick. I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine who was also very into politics who said, George HW Bush is unbeatable. You know, with, with I mean, he's there's no way he's not going to get reelected. And then within a year, the economy falls off a cliff and he's fighting for his presidency to the point where here in New Hampshire, he damn near lost his primary to Pat Buchanan. I remember it was, that. It was unbelievable. I remember that. Yeah, he almost lost the primary to uh, Pat Buchanan. I do. I do yeah. remember that, you know, but. Overall, I mean, the Bush family are just nothing more than a bunch of crooks. I do not like them. I don't really have anything good to say about them, except you bring in the uh, the the first war in Iraq, which was the main purpose was to get Saddam out of Kuwait, you know, and that was it. Uh, his uh, son had no business going back into Iraq. Did we have business in Afghanistan? Absolutely. Just, we had to seek justice for 9-11, but we had no business going into Iraq. Uh, agreed. I mean, I well, I, I certainly agree about Iraq. Um, not so sure about Afghanistan. I, I At the time, I thought it made sense go in. Well, here's the thing, though. At the time, I thought, you know, yes, we have to respond regarding 9-11. So, yeah go in, kick some ass, and leave, maybe. Not go in and get bogged down for 20 years. But, but uh, Billy, let me ask you, because most, most people disagree with me on this, but I'm, I'm curious what you think since you brought it up. 
I think that uh, us, and I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist at all, but I do think that us getting bogged down in both Afghanistan and Iraq the way that we did, I think it was intentional. I think they knew that that's what was going to happen, but it was good, you know, people people directly benefit, benefited from that, us getting bogged down. People like Paul Wolfowitz, people like Donald Rumsfeld, people like Dick Cheney. I mean, they benefited monetarily from this. And of course, the defense contractors, you know, war is our greatest export, right? So I think they knew that this was all going to happen. How could they not know? I knew. And, and what do I know? I'm just me. I've, I've never... I've never served in any sort of uh, government role. I've, I've, I've never been a defense secretary or, a, you know, or any, I, but, but I knew this was going to, I knew, I saw what was going to happen. How could they not have known? So they, I think they knew, I think oh, it was all by design. I know. Well, for one, uh, we talk about conspiracy theorists, you know, and I'm, I'm I'm the one uh, who's uh, associated with John B. Wells, and uh, we, <laughs> yeah. we get into it a lot. John talks about this kind of stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course they knew. They they knew exactly they what they were doing. And yeah. um, call me a conspiracy theorist if you want, but uh, COVID is a man-made virus. It is, it is exactly what it, what they say it is. And this is my opinion. A pandemic is the virus real? Oh yeah, I had COVID. So, oh, you did? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm going to be honest with you. I've been sicker than that before. It's you know, depending on who you are mostly, but for the most part, you know the virus has a 90-some percent survival rate. Uh, you got the vaccine, good for you. I'm not going to do it. Mm. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, it, it's all part, part of a plan, you know, and, and then you got, I think Bill Gates is, uh, you know, he, he's an, another one. He's a slimy bastard, you know, now with, with this uh it sounds like to me, I'm, I'd take it as a threat with smallpox. And, um, you know, all, all of this is planned. Uh, what Dick Cheney and the, and the Bush administration, they planned out everything they were doing. They, uh, they planned out that uh, huge recession in 2007 to 2008 that, uh, you know, I can't re- re- I don't know if I can really give Obama the full glory of getting us out of that, but we did get out under the Obama administration. I will admit that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, but uh, yeah, that, I mean, uh, I've seen, I've seen some recessions of going when I was younger, but the, the, that was the first time, you know, that was the one that really scared me. And now the way that uh, the, the Biden administration is running this country now, it is so scary the way, uh, you know, we're not quite to the point of recession yet, but we're not far from it. Um, you know, and the way gas prices are going up, uh, inflation is hitting us hard. Go to the stores, the, you know, the, there's a high price on the meat. I mean, the eggs are almost cleared out. The milk's almost cleared out. The canned foods are almost cleared out, which is why I encourage, uh, you know, go to My Patriot Supply and go get those buckets of food. But uh, you know this is this is all part of a globalist plan. But and there there's go there's me. That's m- me on the conspiracies here. Yeah, I'm not I'm not with you on that. I I don't yeah. I don't think I don't think there's any sort of globalist uh, plan. Um, I mean, I do have some issues with Biden, but I don't I don't blame the econ- the uh, the economics of it. See, 
I, I tend to think, though, that just more broadly speaking, and, uh, and I, I think of most economists, I think, would agree that um, I think people tend to give far too much credit and or blame for how the economy is doing based on the chief executive. And it, and it tends to be very partisan. You know, if, if, uh, if a Democrat is in the White House and, and there's a problem in the economy, um, uh, Republicans will tend to blame him and Democrats won't. And if there's a Republican in the White House and there's a problem with the economy, Democrats will tend to blame him and Republicans won't. And um, I just think it's so much more complicated than that. I, I don't I don't blame any of our current economic woes on Biden any more than I would blame, you know, I mean, when um, when Trump initiated the 14 days to slow the spread, I mean, that obviously ground our economy to a halt, but I don't, I don't blame him for that. You know, I, I think that uh, with this pandemic, we've been, uh, you know, this has been an extraordinary experience and obviously it's caused tremendous uh, economic upheaval. There's a lot of good news in the economy too right now. But um, in some ways, in some ways, I'll give I'll give Trump credit, um, which I I don't tend to do a lot of because as as you mentioned earlier, I'm not a fan of Trump. But you know, when when we started this with the pandemic, Trump did say he talked about the V curve, the you know the V curve recovery, and that and that the economy in many ways would snap back quickly. Um, and in, in some ways he did, uh, he was right about that. The, this economy, I think, has actually shown to be more elastic than, um, than a lot of people thought it was, it would be. Um, however, there are some things, as you pointed out, there are some things going on in the economy that are a problem that I don't think people anticipated. Um, I don't think people anticipated, for example, the supply chain issues that we're having, uh, I don't remember hearing a lot of warnings about that from economists, but I don't. I don't put that on Biden. I th- there's. I just don't think there's very much that the White House can really do about that. But that will all straighten out. And um, there's good news in all of this too for for people who you know if you're um, it's an em- an employee's market right now. Workers have more power than I think at any time that we've been alive, which. I think is actually a, a great thing in a lot of cases. You know, it's uh, it's like Jenny has been pointing out, you know, if you if there's something you've ever wanted to do for a job or if you've ever wanted to change careers, now's the time to go do it because everybody's hiring. If there's something you really want to try, now's the time to take that chance. And if it doesn't yes. work out, you'll be able to find another job. So I think there's a, I think there's a lot of good news. I think it's a very mixed pic, mixed picture, but um, but I'm very careful about assigning credit or blame uh, to whoever the chief executive is at any given moment. Well, yes, it's kind of tough to, uh, you know, pinpoint who, who, to, who to blame and, and all that, you know, to also, I mean, I kind of came up with this, uh, recently and I should have thought about it a long time ago. You know, I remember, you know, when the Nintendo came out and, uh, mm. boy, we had a lot of fun with that, <laughs> you know, but now, now we're at the point where we got the internet running just about everything, and we rely on the internet. You know, I have to have the internet for my job, of course. Yeah. And uh, we got, you know, I remember when the Nintendo 64 came out, and that was the most unique piece of gaming machinery that I've ever seen in my life at the time. 
And, uh, you know, and I'm playing a sample of it at uh, oh, Walmart or wherever it was, Fred Meyer or something. And my aunt said, just you watch, to, uh, kids born today, the, the obesity rate is, is going to d double or quadruple. Watch what happens in 20 years. And she was right. Huh. Interesting. Be because... <laughs> You know, there's some of that, you know, look how much gaming there is and all that. I mean, it, there are specific internet plans just for gaming. You know, where yeah, yeah. I know I know a lot of the war games are done uh, are done by remote now, but uh, still, you know, a lot of a lot of today's youth can't join the military because they're too obese. And and this has been this has been something in the works as far as what I'm concerned now really looking back on it. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I didn't realize, Billy, until just the other day, you know, because and I, I know I don't I know you're, you're not a fan of the vaccines. I am. I just got my booster shot. And apparently, though, so one of the requirements, although the requirements are very loose with the boosters, but one of the one of the things that qualifies you if, is if you're if you happen to be overweight. Apparently, 75% of the United States now is overweight. 75%. I didn't know it was that high. Um, but I've also said, too, you know, we live in a culture where right out of the chute, as soon as you're born, it seems, uh, not literally, but, uh, you know, you've got everybody in your life, all these people, your family and everybody who love you. Uh, trying to uh, shove as much uh, sugar and, uh, and and fat and cholesterol into your system as possible. And then we wonder why we're just raising one generation after another of diabetics. Um, and, you know, the rate of child obesity, of course, keeps going up year after year. And uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. But I, but I think you're right. I, I do think that um, while technology is wonderful, it's a great thing. But any great thing will have certain downsides, and I think it does contribute to um, more and more of a sedentary, uh, sedentary lifestyle for a lot of people, and uh, and it makes sense. Yes, that, that yes. would happen. I mean, there's there's so many people, so many kids now uh, between the ages of eighteen and twenty, maybe a little bit higher age range that are trying to get into the military and they can't because they're overweight. I mean. I couldn't get into the military. And number one, my mental disabilities, and I, I couldn't pass the ASVAB test. And mm. now, if they were to reinstate the draft, I think I'm too old. Because that's one <laughs> yeah. thing. That's one thing my cousins used to tease me about because I was, I was the oldest grandchild until I found out about my sister. Of course, is yeah. that uh, so if there if the draft gets uh, gets reinstated, you'd be the first to go because you're the oldest now. Now here I am. I'm I'm 47, and I'm, I think I'm I'm a little too old to be drafted now. Um, I, well, you know, uh, getting older, uh, there's uh, a lot of things about it that aren't great, but we do have to find those silver linings where we can, yeah. and that is uh, a good thing. You know, uh, you'll yeah. never be drafted. Uh, neither will I. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, uh, as far as far as the the military goes, I think uh, pretty. Pretty soon, if if some if there's a dire situation, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to reactivate uh, some old re retired uh, sergeants, whatever those, you know, because um, because today's uh, this new generation that's trying to get in, and, and most of them are getting rejected because of obesity. I mean, well, some of them 
aren't so far gone, all they got to do is run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, there are others, yeah, they, it's... The, the obesity rate, we're ta- you want to talk about a pandemic. Nobody's looked at obesity as a pandemic, but that it is that pandemic. Uh, this obesity is a serious issue. It is. Oh, I agree. Um, but it's one of those things, too. If you, if you bring it up, then you're always going to have somebody go, oh, now you're fat shaming. It's like, no, <laughs> this, is a re- this is a real issue. Um, and I'll admit, by the way, you know, I don't always eat the healthiest myself. I just happen to have been blessed with a, a metabolism that lets me get away with it. Uh, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, it, it is a problem. And like I said, I mean, you know, the, the rate of uh, diabetes in this country, I, I have a friend mm-hmm. who just recently was diagnosed with uh, type two diabetes and, uh, yeah. you know, these numbers uh, are definitely not trending in a in a good direction. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and before, uh, I wanted to touch on something else too before uh, we hit uh, the music set and we don't have a lot of time left. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse uh, trial. Uh, you know, I mean, what can I, what can I say as to what happened? Um, this is my opinion. Uh, when, when you're in war, it's, it's the square one law of the jungle in a war. It's survival of the fittest is what it is. I mean, that's, that's the square one law of the jungle. And uh, mm-hmm. basically that law applies where you, when you're in a war. And a riot is no more than a war. From what I understand, I mean, I can't say everything because I wasn't there. But uh, it's kill or be killed. Um, you know, they, they drew on him. Or one tried to smash their skateboard over his head. You know, I mean, yeah. what choice did he have? And, and he, you know, and then you got that idiot LeBron James who, uh, you know, making fun of him for crying in court. But they have no, you have no idea what has what goes through a mind when uh, you have to kill a person. I've never killed a person. I and damn it, I hope I never do. But um, yeah, yeah, I. My opinion, and my opinion, he had no choice. I mean, and somebody else pulled a gun on him. They were ready to pull the trigger. Would they be, if they pulled the trigger, would they be in the same seat as him or would they be given a medal? I don't know. No, I, 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 oh, I'd like to think they'd be in the same seat as him. I, you know, so I have, um, like, like you, I, I also, I have not been following, uh, the trial, uh, as closely as a lot of people have. Jenny's been following it very closely. So I get a lot of information from her. But, I, you know, Billy, I've been kind of thinking about this in in a much broader sense um, because I don't really have a firm opinion because I'm conflicted. Uh, as far as the Rittenhouse trial itself, I'm conflicted. And I'm conflicted about this broader concept and, you know, it's funny, it, it's good to talk about this because I've been trying to get to this on, on my show and I just didn't have time to get to it this week. Um, and the, the, the thing that I've been thinking about and wrestling with, because I've been, and going all the way back to, I'd say Trayvon Martin, when Zimmerman killed Trayvon Martin, is, is when I first started thinking about this idea, the idea of who is at fault when, if you're in a situation where it's kill or be killed, 
And if it's correct that someone else drew on Rittenhouse first and whatnot, it sounds like he had to kill or be killed, right? But who is at fault if, if you're the one who created the situation where you are now, where it's now kill or be killed? In other words, um, you know, Rittenhouse, 17 years old, he's not supposed to have that gun. He's not supposed to travel to another state with it. Actually, you know, that's been debunked. Uh, he was he was on his way somewhere to help uh, guard the business, and the business owner handed him that gun when he got there, so he wasn't traveling with that gun. Well, okay, I I yeah. was not I hadn't heard that, but yeah. but he is seventeen, right? He's not supposed to have that gun. Yeah. Uh, so, but, but so what I'm just saying more broadly is, you know, he should he. <laughs> A 17-year-old kid should not be in that situation with a gun. So he put himself in that scenario. Now, I'm not making a judgment on him because, like I said, I'm conflicted about all this. Just like with Trayvon Martin, I was conflicted. So on the one hand, Zimmerman, when when Trayvon Martin turned around and, and attacked him and Zimmerman shot him, you know, he was trying to prevent himself from being pummeled to death by Trayvon Martin. I get that. But also, I don't think Zimmerman should have been stalking Trayvon Martin. So Zimmerman created the circumstances. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm wrestling with what I mm -hmm. feel is a broader moral and ethical quandary here. And that is, who is actually at fault I in mean, these scenarios? Legally, we're going to find out when we find out the verdict, right? The jury will decide who is legally at fault. But morally and ethically... Who is really at fault in these scenarios where it becomes kill or be killed, but, you know, if I'm in a situation where it's kill or be killed, but I'm the one who created the scenario where I now have to make that choice. I just think, I think it's an interesting thing to ponder. And for me, you know, most people, you know, and it tends to skew like everything else, it tends to skew on partisan lines. You know, conservatives are more likely to side with Rittenhouse and uh, liberals are more likely to side against him. And I'm just kind of, I don't, I'm wrestling with the larger societal, moral and ethical questions here. And, um, and I, and I'm, I'm, I'm deeply conflicted about it all, Billy. I'm just very conflicted. Well, yeah, because it's definitely not like the, uh, the Michael Brown, I think that was his name, uh, the kid in uh, Missouri a few years back. Uh, Michael Brown, first off, he's seen on surveillance going into a store and bullying the store owner and stealing cigars. Mm -hmm. First, he's seen that. And then also, I have seen this too in some of the, in some of the neighborhoods, you know, whether um, I'm sorry to say, and I'm not trying to uh, categorize anybody or stereotype, but in some of the black neighborhoods, they walk in the middle of the street and refuse to use the sidewalks. Why they do this, I don't know. And a police officer who was unaware of the situation back in the store drove by and asked him to use the sidewalk and quit walking in the middle of the street. He got, he got mouthy with the police officer and, and escalated it himself. Then uh, tr goes after the police officer and tries to get his gun. What choice the police officer have? You know, so in that case, there I'm in. I was a Michael. Uh, Michael Brown was was a criminal, and uh, he he obviously uh, he signed his own death warrant when he did that. 
mm-hmm. you know. But uh, you know, these these other cases too. I mean, uh, no one. The, pretty much the beginning of Michael Brown was already written for us, but it wasn't in the case with Trayvon Martin. It really wasn't with Kyle Rittenhouse either. So yeah, I mean, uh, as far as Rittenhouse, you know, I, I just don't know. I just don't know. And, and I'd probably feel more confident um, commenting on the, on the details of the case if I'd been following it closer, which yes. like I said, I haven't, but, um, but yeah, I, I wrestle with this stuff, Yes, <laughs> which, which, which I know some people will hear that and think it's a cop out, but I just, to me, it's like, I don't know. There's larger questions here that I just can't, I can't, uh, someday I'll, I'll have a, a conclusion. I, I hope, but I just don't know. Well, it is time to go to the first music set. Coming up, I have Carolyn Rodriguez, be followed by Bree Bagwell, Psychosis, Chino XL, and Mickey and the Motor Cars. Be back after this. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. You're listening to Outlaw Radio, and if you don't agree with our opinions, then fuck your mother. Hey, do you kiss your girlfriend with that mouth? Give me a break, I'll break off another one. Can't stop the rain, and you cannot stop the sun. I come from broken home, mama had to run. I won't go broke, no, I can't give up for none. Like me Ooh. 
are matched. Say hello. Hello. Yeah. Uh, hello. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? Just fine. Y- your voice is very, very soothing. I feel like you should be an announcer of some sort. <laughs> I might be. You never know. God, I, I kind of want to just cuddle up in bed right now and have you read me a bedtime story. <laughs> <laughs> what are you up to on this fine afternoon? Oh, just relaxing. Masturbating a little bit. Oh, great. Me too. I'm actually sitting here playing with my mandingo right now, working on excreting my man-yogurt, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Is that right? That's right. <laughs> That I find trouble Every time that it finds me When I hang my head I see that pair of boots there on my feet Every night I can't remember Every night that I see red It comes as no surprise I wake up with those boots beside my bed Talking, drinking, finding where to cause a scene. I put them on, I take them off, and it's not my fault. What happens in between? And I run barefoot in the grass, one of the highest hills in our hell. But I swear that devil and cowhide leather get together in hell. Breaks loose and it can't be held. So I don't blame myself.
Lion and Meek shall inherit the earth. Well, I'ma fuck Meek daughter, marry her, then kill Meek's father. Once his ass dies, she inherit the shit. Man, I'ma cock back the heat and straight bury this bitch. Be carnivore, predator, wanna war, get your medal up. I'm the victor, nigga, settle up. Next up, bring me another competitor. Set him up and I'ma shut him down, bet it up. Straight back, cock the eight back and wet him up. Shit feels so good, I just might get a nut. No homo, kill his ass for free and call it promo. Yo ass, I'ma do you for the low low. Pull out the fofo, the bullet flies so fast, but when it hit your ass, you gon' die so slow. It'll seem like an eternity, but it was a flash and then it was over and that was your ass. Bad bitch, they go bump in the night and we them boogieing that have you jumping with fright. So when we come out the shadows and black your eye, you better cross your heart and hope to die. Cause you can talk and talk, but tell no lie. And you can walk and walk, just walk on by. Cause we are killers by nature, that's no lie. You better cross your heart and hope to die. Of an animal, yeah. I jump out the shadows and rabble when God is mad at you. Yeah. I promise you, my imbalance is chemical. You know how many prescriptions get rammed through, like Karen Stephens' genitals. Anticipating your death, the left side of my brain ain't thinking right, and in the right side there was nothing left. No. Last breath struggle, I think outside the box to put you inside of the box like a crossword puzzle. 380 with the muzzle, be afraid like a Haiti trouble. Never half hustle, she rustle in the calf muscle. I'm the reason for your homies' disappearances, but keep that off the record like songs with no. Sample clearances All that feeling shit perishes when I'm striking These niggas are so over the hill It's like they hiking Hide your baby's mama You don't want no drama She no got more llamas than a Middle Eastern farmer Damage to Carter Leaving your body eviscerated Committed acts ungodly Worse than you anticipated We take no prisoners Nigga, we just don't want them We murder every soldier that they send Until they stop coming Bad things that go bumping at night And we them boogieing That have you jumping with fright So when we come out the shadows and black your eye, you better cross your heart and hope to die. Cause you can talk and talk, but tell no lie. And you can walk and walk, just walk on by. Cause we are killers by nature, that's no lie. You better cross your heart and hope to die. Forget the winter of 72 It must have been the coldest year That I ever knew I left my home in Dallas To head out for Idaho Before I reached Colorado Hit three feet of snow
There is no other feeling than strapping up or grabbing those kettlebells, grappling on the mat, or doing some shadow boxing, getting knocked down, getting back up, throwing strikes, and then doing it all over again. So when you hear someone scream, gear up, you better get ready, because it's just you, your hunter athletic gear, and the voice telling you to train harder. No matter how much experience you have, hunter athletic gear stands with you all the way. Their products are engineered for utmost comfort, protect and speed battle after battle hunter athletic gear is the brand celebrating your victory hunter athletic gear has a range of great training and fight gear for men and ladies including compression pants fight shorts hoodies vests caps and bikinis they can create custom branded ranges for your gym or business visit their website at huntermma.co.za gear up and let's train What news and information are your media dollars buying when the narrative is prescribed by the advertisers? Scripted lies, media brainwashing, and thought control. Take back your voice. Take back our media. But most of all, take back our First Amendment. Subscribe to Caravan to Midnight today for hard-hitting commentary free from political correctness and media bias as I and some of the most intelligent and interesting people on Earth delve deep into what really lies beyond the headlines. Three to four hour uninterrupted and uncensored information. Join our CTM family today. Join the movement. Join the fight for freedom and independence. Caravan to Midnight is media for the people, by the people, independent of commercial obligations or influence. For less than a cup of coffee per month, you can make a difference. Let the people fund the next news network. Help us grow. Help us create a platform where we place freedom of speech and thought first. Join the family at caravantomidnight.com. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment of the United States of America's Constitution. This Second Amendment, the right of law-abiding Americans to privately own and possess firearms, is under attack like no other time in America's history. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have pledged 
to take away your Second Amendment rights through gun bans, gun confiscations, and government regulations. Even a gun tax. Do not take this lying down. The time to take action and fight to protect your Second Amendment rights is now. Join the Second Amendment Foundation, the oldest and largest nonprofit foundation focused on protecting your Second Amendment rights. For more information, to join or to donate, visit saf.org. And now a message for the men. Listen up, guys. Fact. As we men age, our IGF-1 growth factor levels decrease, which can lead to gradual deterioration of energy, muscle growth, and immune function. From Neutronics Labs comes a line of health supplements that make men men again. Deer Antler Velvet. Listen. IGF-1 Plus Deer Antler Velvet contains the most concentrated source of widely diversified nutrition found in the plant or animal kingdom. Choose from Neutronics Labs liposome spray products. From the Ultra 10,000 Nanograms Package to the Platinum 300,000 Nanograms Package. They're also specially formulated supplements for joint pain relief, more energy, better stamina, better natural sleep, stress relief, and weight loss. For more information about these amazing products, visit keys2life.shop. That's K-E-Y-S, the number two, life.shop. IGF-1 Plus Deer Antler Velvet Supplements from Neutronics Labs. Making men, men again. Yo, baby, you have your asshole licked by a fat man in an overcoat? Fuck the shit, fuck the fucking shit, fuck shit. You're listening to Outlaw Radio. Now buy a sewing machine, take it home, and cram it up your ass. Fuck the shit, the shit, fuck shit. Shit, fuck. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Coldcock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take a shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, Gear Up, Let's Train, and Neutronics IGF-1, Making Men, Men Again. The songs you just heard, you just heard Mickey and the Motor Cars with Rock Springs to Cheyenne. Before that, Chino XL with Cross Your Heart. Before that, Psychosis with The Trenches. Before that, Bree Bagwell with My Boots. And starting off the whole set, Carolyn Rodriguez with break and really quick i want to remind you to go to the outlaw radio store go to outlaw radio abs.com that's outlaw radio alpha bravo sierra.com scroll on down there's a lot you can see but also my pillow yes click on the banner shop for whatever you wish and get up to 66 percent off of your purchase when you punch in the code outlaw yes indeed right now uh, my standard my pillows Normal price $69.99 are on sale for $19.99. Other great deals, so check it out. All right, so in just a little bit, you're going to hear the classic interview that I did back in 2013 with Don Madge, the magic man, yes, a South African fighter who has been signed to the UFC but has not fought for the UFC for a little while, so his status with the UFC is kind of pending right now. Uh before I get to that, it is time to reveal the Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week. And ladies and gentlemen, the Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week this week is Black Lives Matter co-founder Hawk Newsom. Now, of course, you hear nothing but stupidity when it comes to uh, Black Lives Matter. 
Yeah, I I get that. I know. But uh, <laughs> he says that uh, he's threatening with riots, fire, and bloodshed if Mayor-elect Eric Adams gets tough on crime. Well, so you're threatening with crime if we get tough on crime, huh? Uh, people, and including black people, want to feel safe in their own home and don't need this bullshit. All right? So, I mean, it's, you're, it's not about equality like you claim it is. No. It, it's, it's you having a fucking tizzy fit because you're not having your way, so you're, you're going to do this and that, wham, wham, wham. Yeah, fuck that. Fuck that. And call me a racist if you want, but all lives matter, motherfucker. All right, enough on that. Let's go ahead and uh, get to the classic interview with Don the Magic Man Madge back from 2013. Here we go. Digging deep into the history of AOW Productions. This is an Outlaw Radio AOW Classic. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, who I have on the show this week, its uh, I must say it's not been easy getting him on the show, but we finally have done it. And I have said in the past, uh, who do I think is the best striker? And I seriously mean this, the best striker in MMA right now. And I have to welcome Don, the magic man, Madge, out of Cape Town, South Africa. Don, how you doing, my friend? Hey, Billy, thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm well, thank you. Hey, good to have you here. And, uh, Don, my first question, as I ask all fighters, is uh, what were your early inspirations? What made you want to get involved with the fighting arts to begin with? Um, I've, always, I've always been interested in um, martial arts, you know, since I was, since I was very young. Um, I mean, I started karate when I was like five, four or five. And um, I was just always like a very physical child. Um, I guess it was the first, the first time I ever saw a, a live Muay Thai fight. I was I was here in Cape Town and I went to go watch one of the local shows and after I saw that I was I was hooked. Okay, so so basically a lot of people uh, get their inspiration from movies they've watched, but you 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 got it uh, from watching a live fight. And uh, how old were you when you started training? Um, I started training Muay Thai when I was fourteen years old. I had my first first fight by the time I was fifteen. Wow. So, so by the time you're 15, I, I knew you were a young age. Uh, yeah, you're, you're uh, 22 or 23 now? I'm 22. Okay, yes. And uh, I do believe you're the first fighter to be on my show that was born in the 90s. So, oh, really? so yes. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I, Oh no! I must be getting old because I was 15 when you were born, and by the t- you you had your first fight uh, before that age. That's amazing. Yeah, man. So, I, uh, I, I I got started really early. <laughs> absolutely. Now, there was that a was that a Muay Thai fight or uh, kickboxing rules? Um, it was Muay Thai, like traditional Muay Thai. Um, I'd 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 
not started training yet. Someone had told me about told me about Muay Thai, and I I watched um that movie. I watched that movie Kickbox with Jean Claude Van Damme, and I saw it. I saw <laughs> I saw the fights, and I was like, man, I want to check check this out for real. So then I went to go watch one of the shows, and I was hooked. Now. As we uh, get into it uh, with your uh, career pushing forward in MMA, and it, uh, I'll uh, tell the listeners right now, you're also no slouch on the ground. You're uh, picking up that game pretty well. But um, did, were you involved in any other sports like rugby as uh, you were growing up? Yeah, I played I played rugby since I was six. You know, I played in, through through my high school career. Um, I played club rugby for False Bay, so I—I I mean, I've—I've I've always, I've always been into sports. I've—I've I've never been a—I've never been a guy who who hasn't been active. But um, yeah, I mean, I've, I was always—I was always doing some sort of sport. Now, do you think uh, perhaps uh, that experience in rugby has helped you a little bit uh, with your fighting career pushing forward? I think um, with with. Any sport that I've played, it's helped me because I'm I'm very competitive. So it's it's given me that competitive mentality where I just don't want to lose ever. So I just it's just something that stayed with me throughout my career. I mean, you're. I mean, with me saying uh, that I think you're the best striker in MMA right now, that's that says where your stand up is at. But do you think uh, your background in rugby has helped you a little bit with your grasp grappling aspect? Um, I think maybe. I'm I'm not I'm not too sure. You know. Um, I think. Um, I think maybe the. The physicality of it, like getting stuck in and using your body, using your body as like a wrecking machine a bit, definitely. Yeah, the reason why I ask that is because, you know, I've I've watched a little bit of rugby, even though, um, you know, it's not a sport I care too much for, and I don't care too much for American football either, you know, I'm, I love MMA, and that's what I, what I love to watch, but... Uh, it looks like the tackle in rugby is very similar to the double leg takedown in, in wrestling. So one one has to wonder if it uh, definitely helps you out a little bit in, in that area. For sure. we. I mean, I've trained with a, a few guys that have crossed over from rugby into MMA, and they, they, have, a natural, they have a natural talent for takedowns. And it's, I mean, it must, be a, it must be an advantage. I mean, it has to be. Now let's uh, go to to your first fight at 14 years old. Uh, tell please tell the listeners about that experience and what that was like for you and w- what the outcome was. Jeez, <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember. Like I was, I just remember being so so nervous. You know, you like when when you when you play sports like rugby or soccer or whatever, you always you always have a team with you you know but when you fight it's just you and another guy and I think that that was the that was the the major the major like like mind blow um and also in front of like a whole bunch of people it was just me and some dude in front of a whole bunch of people so I just remember being super super nervous um very focused and uh, I managed I mean I knocked the guy out in round three I need him in the head and and it it seemed to work (laughs) 
Now, was that as a as an amateur or professional? No, that was an amateur. That was an amateur bout. I've only had I only had three amateur bouts throughout my career, and the rest all pro or semi pro. So going pro right away, um, it's it's like you've got a very natural talent plus a very competitive spirit that uh, gives you that edge. Um, and you've also competed in K1, but uh, uh, is there one you like better than the other? I mean, uh, obviously with uh, Muay Thai, you, you've got the use of elbows, which uh, pretty much that's the only difference I see in K1 is they don't allow elbows. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I like K1 because it's, it's fast-paced, it's exciting, and I, I, like, I like fighting like that. I don't like slow fights. Um, also, I think with, with Muay Thai, it's very much, it's very much a, showman, a showmanship, you know, like uh, it's about having, like, beautiful technique, grace in the, grace in the ring, whereas K1 is very much based on just damage to your opponents or scoring or point scoring, you know. You know, this is very, very interesting because uh, I've, I've never had anybody tell me this before, you know, the difference between uh, Muay Thai and K1. What I did notice right away is I watched some bouts from uh, Thailand, and I see that, like, most of them I've seen, the first round is uh, there's not very much aggression. It's a it's a feeling out process throughout the first first round between both opponents and then by the second round is when it seems to start to pick up and uh in k1 it seems they seem to be a lot more aggressive from the get-go so 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 you do you think uh, they're just uh aspects of the game that you like one better than the other uh, when you look into both fields well you see the thing the thing with muay thai is that the the first round, the feeling out process is very much, it's, it's a respect thing and it's a way, it's an understanding between two fighters that it's, that's your warm-up round, you know, it's, you're going you're gonna to warm up, get your eye in, and then from round two, that's when the fight really begins. Judges only actually score the fight from round two in Thailand. I mean, of course, if, if one guy knocks another dude out in round one with like a, a, a punch or a kick or just something out of nowhere, then of course the fight's over, but generally in Thailand, round one isn't even scored. However, there have been first-round knockouts, or you know, you, you you have somebody with power who who's going to unleash it, uh, and they don't even know it. I've I know this because I've sparred with people like that. So, yeah, for uh, sure, back man. In the days, some, back in the, some of the I some of the top fighters they they unleash, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, how old were you when you first went over to Thailand to compete or train or both? The first time I went to Thailand, I was 16. Um, <clears throat> I went over with a with a group of people, and um, and I, I basically I basically stayed on um, when they all left. I I had a couple fights, quite a few fights. I was there for six months. Came back and um, kept on training here, and then straight after straight after high school, I went straight back. And of course, it seems like uh, your parents have your full support. Have have they been behind you the whole time, or have they wanted you to focus more on uh, your education? How how do they lo- look at the whole thing? I think um, I mean my mom's my number one supporter. I mean she's always she's always got my back. She's always um, always pushing for me to to do better. She sometimes I'll be 
I'll be eating some junk food, and she'll be like, oh, you got to watch your weight, whatever. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, she's she's fully behind me. Uh, in the beginning, a little bit, a little bit nervous, you know, her son gonna get hurt. But when she saw that I was, I was super. Cause I've never been that dedicated to anything. But when she when she saw how dedicated I was to it, I guess that uh, that was the turning point. Absolutely, that's a that's a very good thing. Now, yeah. um, in you have a a long a long line of accomplishments in Muay Thai, especially in Thailand too. I mean, I'm looking at it. Uh, you're a two-time K1 champion, two-time uh, South African Muay Thai champion in your weight class, uh, voted best foreign t- fighter in Phuket in t- 2010 uh, Toyota Cup marathon. Uh, I mean, uh, out of out of all those accomplishments, uh, which one are you the most proud of? Um, I think winning winning a Thai a Thai stadium title. Um, I fought in 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 Bangla Stadium, which is in which is in Phuket, and um, and I won the stadium title. And, and for for those that don't don't know, for a foreigner to win a stadium title in Thailand, it's quite it's quite an accomplishment. So that and and fighting twice for world world titles. I mean, that's it's a pretty big highlight of my career. Now, have you had the chance uh, to compete against any known American fighters? I mean, like, uh, it wasn't too long ago I had uh, Kat Zingano on the show, and uh, she fought in the same camp uh, that you did with Tiger Muay Thai in Phuket, just to sharpen her skills. Um, Any any known Americans that uh, you fought against over there? Um, I've fought against American guys. Um... I'm a, I'm at a loss for names right now, but no one, no one, no one notable. You know, I haven't fought the anyone that that I can think of that that has a sort of a name in in my Tao Kwan. All right. And uh, when did you decide to uh, make the tra- transition to uh, mixed martial arts? Well, at the beginning, I when I, when when MMA exploded, Al Chang in South Africa, I was really against it. You know, I was not gonna, I was not gonna cross over. I was gonna make sure I stayed doing doing what I was doing. But slowly, I got like a little bit more interested. I started doing some jujitsu on the side, just to just just for just for fun, really. And the more and more I trained, the more interested I got into the sport, and the more I started watching watching MMA fights and seeing that it was a little bit more than what I thought it was, you know. And um yeah, then I decided, you know, as a as a career, MMA was a lot more beneficial than a Muay Thai career. All right. And uh just getting back to your accomplishments in Thailand, um obviously uh the majority of uh, what you have done was in Phuket, but uh in Muay Thai, when you've truly arrived, that's when you fight in uh, Bangkok. And have you had that opportunity yet? Yeah, I've I've fought in Bangkok for the first the first time the first two times I went over to to Thailand. I was fighting in Bangkok, living in Bangkok. Um, it's only since 2000, and the end of 2009, beginning of 2010, that I've been in Phuket, and I I found that the 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 Camp Tiger. Tiger Muay Thai, they they really push you to fight for the the bigger fights, you know, get your name out there. Um, whereas when I was in Bangkok, you know, you kind of fall into the 
you kind of fall into the the background, you know, because there's there's just so many fighters in Bangkok and there's so many fights happening that you don't really they don't really push you as much as they push the the Thai fighters. All right, and then uh, before your uh, fight with uh, Wade Groth at uh, EFC 11, how long had you been training uh, for MMA prior to that? Um, I, I I started training specifically for MMA um, from midway through 2010. I started I started training a bit of MMA. Um, once once. Once I decided that I was going to make the crossover permanently and and turn it into a career, I I started really focusing my MMA career in 2011, the beginning of 2011, and then I fought Wade at the end of 2011. Okay, and uh, was was that your first ever experience uh, with MMA, or did you have any other fights prior to that? No, that was that was my first time going into an MMA fight. Um, it wasn't. I mean. It wasn't too daunting. I just—it's just another fight, really. Now, I look at that fight and uh, what you've done in that fight. I've—I've I've, I've not seen anybody else do, and that—that that fight is why I say you're the best striker in MMA right now because you're applying techniques from Muay Thai into MMA that uh, nobody else uh, that I know of has ever done before. So in your words, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners about that fight? Um, well, I'd, I'd, watched, I'd watched a previous fight of his, and I, I knew that he was going to be sort of energetic, kind of um, like all-over-the-place striker. So I knew that if I, just, if I just stuck on him, stuck on him and worked... worked um, methodically to to get inside and get get him into the clinch that um that I would beat him. Once I once I fought him in the clinch I realized that obviously I had quite an advantage and I um you know I just I started working the knees to the body, noticed that he, he his his natural defense was to put his hands to his body to defend the knees. So then I just brought a couple of knees up to the head and then that was it. See and I'm also referring to the way you locked your hands in the clinch too. I've, like I said, I've only seen that done in Muay Thai, and I've yeah. never seen it done in MMA. You know, and I've trained a little bit of Muay Thai myself uh, from a guy. Uh, I went to a seminar from this guy named Brian Tellerek from uh, Denmark, and he showed me that technique of how you locked your hands. You know, sadly. Uh, uh, to this day, I've forgotten how to do it, and uh, you know I haven't trained in so long. But I just recognized it right off the bat. The, you know, the way you locked your hands and started throwing those knees, and that was just amazing. Yeah, well, that, that I mean that that was one of my favorite techniques as a Thai fighter. Um, basically, once I once I'd fought him in the clinch, I realized that 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 wasn't exactly his, his strongest point. So when I when I had the underhook. On my right side, I use my left hand to push his face away and then just lock lock my own wrist, really. And then from there, it's it's so difficult for for you to bring your head back in that I can basically control where your head moves. Now, you're very dangerous in the clinch, as uh, you just said and as proven in that fight. Now, um... And we know you're training in uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You've done some training with uh, Jadison Costa, but uh, have you done any training in wrestling at all, particularly Greco-Roman, where they like to clinch too? 
Um, I haven't done any Greco-Roman specific training, but I do train with um, Conrad de Villiers, who's who's an Olympic South African wrestler. Um, he's also toured with the American Olympic team. Um, so he he's he's my wrestling coach at the moment, and I mean wrestling for me is I I, I love it. It works perfectly for my style. Um, you know, I like I like to push the pace, and I like to be in guys' faces. So it it works so well for my my style of fighting. All right. And then, of course, we talked about this uh, when I was talking to you briefly on uh, Fight Nation Radio. But your next fight with uh, uh, in EFC was against Leon Maynard, and he too had, had spent some time over in Thailand. Uh, he he's a dangerous opponent, has a reputation for knocking people out, and uh, you went to war with him and. Uh, I'll, I said it before, and I say I'll say it again. You were ripped off in that fight. You were winning that fight, and the referee just uh, called it on a technicality. And of course, by you, I'm sure that's a lesson learned. But uh, for this show, uh, please tell the listeners about that fight because that was a, that was a war you can say is up there with uh, like uh, Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bonner. Yeah, I mean we we went to town on each other. I mean it was a great fight. Um, Obviously, I, I, I know I've known Leon for like years. Um, we've trained together. I know exactly what what kind of fighter he is. So I knew I was in for for a, a slugfest. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I dominated him the whole fight. Dominated him standing. Dominated him on the ground. Um, and yeah, I just, I mean, it was a silly mistake. Silly, silly mistake. I tried to I tried to talk to the ref when I shouldn't have been talking to the ref. And he obviously thought that um, it was time to call the fight. And, of course, you said it last time, and I'm sure that this hasn't changed. You'd like a rematch with Leon. Would so? Would you like to uh, rematch him in MMA, or uh, would you like to have a tie fight with him? No, um, I want to I wanna rematch with him in MMA. I mean, I think, I think a tie fight would, 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 be, would be pointless. Uh, I know that I can beat him in a tie fight for sure. Um, in the MMA fight, obviously, there's a lot more aspects to think about. But I, I mean, as you as you saw in the la- in the last fight, I mean, I was all over him. And I think if we meet up again, it'll be even, it'll be a lot quicker. And uh, you say it'll be a lot quicker. So what do you think you do, you're going to do? You're going to knock him out. You're going to cut him. Uh, what do you think you're going to do? I'm I'm just not gonna I'm not gonna fight for for the fans, or I'm not gonna fight for. For the show, I'm gonna fight to to beat him, to to whip his ass. Like that's that's plain and simple. That's just what. Like in the in the first fight, I was fighting in Cape Town for the first time in like five years, so I was just really excited to put on a really good show for the fans and stuff. Um, have a bit of a slugfest. I let him I let him touch me more than I wanted him to, or more than he than he should have. Um, but that won't be the case the next time. I wanted to ask you a couple of things too. You mentioned uh, that was that fight took place in Cape Town. That was the first EFC in Cape Town. However, it wasn't the first MMA event. But uh, you know, and uh, EFC 16 was supposed to happen in Cape Town in September, and then it get, gets pushed to Johannesburg in October. Did you find that rather disappointing? Yeah, that that really um, that really like messed with my my whole like plan for that year. I was really excited to fight in Cape Town again. 
Um, I mean, I love I love fighting at home. I hate having to travel to Joburg and uh, cut weights and get on the plane and just be miserable in general. Um, obviously, obviously, it's, it's not my it's not my place to pick and choose where I fight. But um, I'm hoping that they're going to have a, a event here in Cape Town again. Well, I talked to uh, Cairo at the end of uh, this last December, and uh, he says they are working on it and definitely want want to bring the EFC back to Cape Town. Um, but I'm pre- I'm pretty sure you'll fight wherever they put you, of course. Um, yeah, for so sure. that, that, I just go where they tell yeah. me to go. <laughs> of course. Uh, let Let me ask you this: uh, Is there anywhere else in the world or on the African continent you think you'd like to fight? Um, for now, I wanna I wanna finish what I started at EFC. I wanna I wanna have a crack at that title. I yeah. think that. I think that um I think that that title that title is mine and it's just oh, a matter right. of time. It's just a matter of yeah, time. Well, if- and and once once I've done that then I'm going to look and see see what else is out there. Absolutely. Of course, Cairo talked about uh, this year, 2013. He wants to expand outside of South Africa, have one have an event in Angola, perhaps go up to Lagos, Nigeria. Or Kenya, or, or uh, Cairo, or somewhere, you know. And, and let me ask you this: uh, even though you're you're uh, kind of keen fighting in Cape Town, where where you're you're from, that's your home. But if uh, if and when Cairo gets that uh, event staged somewhere else on the African continent and puts you on a card, what do you think it would mean to you? To be a to be on that card uh, somewhere else on the African continent, I think it would be it would be an honor. I mean, to represent to represent like m- my country in a in someone else's country and be a part of the the one of the biggest MMA organizations in the world. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a privilege for me, really. It's a privilege just to fight here in SA. I mean, to fight in Joburg is a privilege. But I mean, if we had to go. To another country, and I, I got to represent myself there and my country there. I'd, I'd, I'd be absolutely honoured. That's good to hear. Now, at, around the time of the, the Leon Maynard fight, you were training with Jadison Costa and uh, Gregor Whiteman with the uh, African Top Team. It wasn't too long after that, you know. Ruin Ruan decided to go to Johannesburg, and uh, I don't know the full story, and I'm not going to ask. But uh, that was pretty much the end of African Top Team. But uh, to this day, though, are you still training with some of the same people like Jadison Costa? Yeah, I, I still I still train with um, Jadison, and I still train with um, Coach uh, Mike Manemini. So I'm I'm still with I'm still with my team. I feel like um, we it's, we're like a family, you know. We're all growing together. We're all learning together, and um, yeah, it's, it's where I'm comfortable. It's where I'm comfortable. So where, I'm, where I'm happy. So it's basically the same team with a different name. Basically, and and there's the exclusion of Gregor. He he's no longer with us. All right. Well, um, and uh, I want to ask you know, uh, training with Jason Costa. He's the only Brazilian that I know of in your area. But what is it like working with him? And uh, how? And uh, do you, do you feel like every time you, you train with him, you learn something new? Um, Jettison's an, an amazing teacher. He's just got like so much, so much experience and knowledge. 
um, especially obviously on the on the ground. I've just actually received my purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu um, in November, just after the Hector Brits fight. Um, so working with him, you know, he's like I said, he's he's just got so much knowledge and so much experience that he every time every time I train with him or I roll with him, it's, I'm learning something new. All right, and. Uh... Of course, you, you just mentioned the Hector Brits fight, and uh, that uh, that fight showed. Uh, obviously, you had to redeem yourself a little bit from the Leon Maynard fight, even though I think you, had, like I said, that was a technicality because you looked great in that fight. Even in defeat, you looked good. Uh, but uh, against Hector Brits, uh, Hector looked strong and put up a good fight. But you showed that uh, you definitely have other dangerous tools in your arsenal by uh, winning that one by submission via rear naked joke. Uh, so why don't you tell our listeners about that fight? Well, going in, going into the fight, I knew, like, all, all that was on my mind was just, I, I want to win. So I, I, I studied, I studied fights on Hector, and I, I knew that his, his strength was his physicality and his strength. And, um, and his, his striking, you know, he's got like a kickboxing background. So I knew, I knew from watching his fights that my ground game was going to be a lot stronger than his. So that's exactly what I did. I, I, my game plan was to get him on the ground, mount him, hit him, wait for him to give him, give me his back, and then choke him out. And it went exactly the way I planned. All right. And, uh, of course, uh, I'm pretty sure you would have loved it more if he'd uh, given you his chin, right? Yeah, look, when I when I got into mounts, I was trying to knock him out. I was elbowing him, but he obviously didn't like it and gave me his back. And um, the choke was right there. But I would I would have much preferred a knockout. All right. And uh, let me ask you, as uh, as you're training and with people like Jadison and you're le- learning new things, are you competing in other types of competition like uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or uh, submission grappling without a gi? Are you, are you doing any of that? Yeah, we we try and enter every every grappling comp that there there is, whether it be um, in gi or no gi. Um, we're also talking about doing doing wrestling, like amateur wrestling um, tournaments. But um, I competed in the Abu Dhabi pro pro trials here in Cape Town last in yeah last last year. So you know what, whatever comes, we we try and take it. The more experience, the better. All right, so uh, so uh, competing in the uh, Abu Dhabi trials there, should talk a little bit about that and uh, and where did you place in that uh, ter- in that tournament? I um I mean we we weren't really we weren't really training for it or anything. It was just really an opportunity to go roll against some other people that that were competitive and um, competitive minded. But um it was a good good event, you know. I had um. I had four matches. I won three of them by submission, and I got outpointed in the final. So I got I got left there with a silver, um, which is not, I mean it's not bad for my first my first um, grappling comp. But you know, a goal would have been a lot better. I hate losing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, who likes it? You know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Now, uh, before the fight with Hector Brits, um, there, there was a. You went back to Phuket to, for a training camp, and uh, 
Correct me if I'm wrong, but you uh, went over there and you trained with uh, UFC veteran Roger Fuerta, correct? That's right. So talk about uh, the experience in training with him and what that was like, and what what do you think you learned uh, over there from that? The 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 training the training camp in in at Tiger is is unbelievable. I mean, Roger Huerta, he ran the Roger Huerta was running the the MMA program while Brian Ebersole was out in the U.S. fighting in the UFC. Um, but I mean, he's an amazing coach. I learned so much so much from him, especially with uh, regards to wrestling. Um, also, great fourth degree black belt Fernando Makashero. Um, was doing the, the jiu-jitsu there. He's he's also an unbelievable, an unbelievable coach. Um, he's one of the coaches for Brazilian top team. So it was really a privilege to be able to train to train with him. All right. And uh, now you were supposed to c- compete. Like I said, you it's like when it came to EFC 16, uh, you were met with disappointment. First off, it it uh, didn't happen in Cape Town. Then second of all. Uh, you came came down from what I understand with a staph infection. Yeah, man. Like I, I was basically went to Thailand to do a training camp. I came back, and um, I was I was fit and ready. Weight was down. I had maybe like four weeks left until the next until the event, and um, I, I I knew I had, there was something wrong with my leg, but I was unsure. So obviously I I left it for a day or two. And it, it, my leg just blew up, and it was a, it was a really, really bad staph infection. I had cellulitis and blood poisoning, and it was just not a good, not a good idea. <laughs> not a good situation. It wasn't. I mean, that that is a very bad situation. Hopefully, it wasn't anything as serious as what Kevin Randleman went through. No, I mean, I didn't have to get cut open or anything. Thank God, but I mean, it left a pretty nasty scar on the back of my leg. And my, I mean, my leg was like, it looked like I had elephantitis. It was massive. So it probably looked worse than the uh, welts that uh, you sustained from uh, kickboxing or Muay Thai? Yeah, a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'll, now at, uh, also at EFC 17, uh, you, uh Castellano, he defended his title against Leon Maynard, and uh, he he did it rather easily. It, it looked like. I mean, Leon hung tough, but he other than that, he really didn't put up much of a fight. He just kind of looked like a fish out of water, and uh, you know, Costa prevailed obviously. But uh, you know, he he's the top of the mountain. To, looking at him, uh, how far do you think you are at? at a shot against him. I mean, Costa did exactly what he needed to do. I knew that's exactly what he was going to do, take Leon straight to the ground where he's where he's most comfortable. Um, I knew he wasn't going to try and stand with Leon because that would have been silly. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, he absolutely dominated him. Um, it, it, it showed a major hole in Leon's game. But I, I feel that, that my ground game's my ground game's strong enough to, to hang with him. And obviously on the feet, I, I feel like I could I could dominate him. Um, basically, what I'm doing now is just trying to work my way up until the EFC offer me a, a shot at him. But I'm I'm more than ready to take him tomorrow. I'll fight him in a phone booth. <laughs> so you know, it seems like uh, he's uh, coined the phrase "Costa's coming," 
How, how do you respond to that? <laughs> the magic man's waiting. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so, um, coming up uh, next week, we will have uh, EFC 18. And uh, what uh, prospects are you, are you looking at as uh, possible opponents for that fight? Or for in the future, I should say. Um, I'm pretty interested in seeing Hector Brutz fights against um, Noman. His uh, I'm not, I forget what his first name is. Oh, Frederick Noman. Apparently, he's an and six and zero as an amateur with like five KOs or something. So I'm interested to see how how that fight goes. He's an unknown. I don't really know anything about him. But it's 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 cool to add some more like more talent to the lightweight division. So I'm excited to see what, what that fight entails. I'm definitely excited to see what uh, Dallas Jacoby is going to bring to the lightweight division. And, uh, you know, it does concern me because he told me when he was on the show that uh, he started his career at light heavyweight. And so I'm wondering if he's going to be able to make the cut without any problems. Obviously, he's got... He's had plenty of time to do it, but uh, he's going to be taking on uh, Alex Shabub. That uh, should be an interesting fight. Uh, How do you feel about Dallas coming into the division? Um, I I mean, obviously I respect Dallas as a fighter, and he's he's, he's a great athlete. But um, I don't really see him as too much of a threat to to the lightweight division. Um, he's, He's had two pretty bad defeats in a row. He got knocked out by Jettison, and now he got knocked out by Dino Bagatine. Two pretty bad knockouts, and I, I question his, his jaw and his ability to take punishment, which it seems that's sort of the way he fights. You know, He kind of takes a lot of punishment to try and dish it out. Um, I think the fight between him and Alex is going to be a great fight. Um, he, uh, Alex has got a slick submission game, but not a very, not a very deep uh, gas tank or big gas tank. Whereas Dallas has got a, a massive, a massive gas tank, so it'd be it's going to be interesting to see where the fight goes after if it goes if it goes more than one round, if Alex can keep keep his um, keep his things together without any gas, or if Dallas is going to be able to survive his submissions. Oh, one person I failed to mention uh, that was uh, b- when. Uh Adam Speechley, now, we saw him. He also fell defeat to uh, Costianu, but, uh, you know, he really put up a good fight against Costa. And uh, how would you perhaps feel against a matchup with him one day? I think it would be a great matchup. It would be, I mean, it would be, it would be a, good, a good matchup in terms of, you know, stylistically, you know, uh, a, a striker-based versus a grappling-based. But he's moved back to welterweight. You know, the the cut the cut for him to lightweight um, it's obviously been it was a bit bit too tough. Okay. Yeah. And uh, just a few more questions. Looking ahead to into your future, uh, you know, you want to accomplish something with EFC, but uh, I'm pretty sure there's uh, no doubt in my mind that you'd like to go to the UFC or have a spot on the Ultimate Fighter one day. And uh, is there anybody over here on uh, my soil that you think you'd like to step up against one day? <laughs> um Obviously, I'd, I'd love to go to the UFC. I mean, that's that's every MMA fighter's dream is to get into the UFC and win the UFC title. Um, 
But no, I mean, there's, there's, the the UFC is so full of talents. I mean, any 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 opponent would be, or any anyone fighting at that sort of level would be a, a great matchup. And I don't really have anyone anyone in mind. Anyone in particular that uh, you you enjoy watch fighting in the UFC in any oh, weight class too. George St. Pierre is my favorite fighter of all time. I think he's just he's he's the he's the the absolute like pinnacle of an MMA athlete. He he's, he can do it all. He's always in great shape. He has a, uh, an amazing gas tank. He's got techniques. He's got great ground game, great wrestling, great striking. He is the I consider him the best fighter in the world. Okay. And uh, I did want to ask you, you know, you being as young as you are, um, do you see yourself staying at the uh, lightweight division, or do you think uh, perhaps you can uh, m- move uh, up to welterweight or down to featherweight? It's it's funny that you would ask, because we, we were talking about me dropping to featherweight, um, because I'm I'm walking around a lot lighter than I usually do. But um, you know, if it depends it depends on my body. I mean, obviously I'm 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 growing still. Um, if you look if you look at me when I fought Wade Ross, and you look at me when I fought Hector, it's it's a completely different body body type. But um, what whichever way it goes, you know, I'm, I think I think I could I could easily fight at welterweight or or featherweight. Um, but but for right now, I f- I feel very comfortable at lightweight. Well, if you choose to drop to featherweight, it would be. I I can't imagine whether you were to come over to the UFC and and face uh, Jose Aldo. That would be interesting, or even if you're um, stay in the EFC, uh, you and Demar Pennell would make a pretty good fight too. I think. If 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 he would stand and fight me, <laughs> uh, he's no, right. he, he's not got shadow, not shadow box. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's he's got a Muay Thai background, but yeah, yeah, he he does kind of favor his ground game uh, a little bit more. Like uh, Wesley Hockey said on this show, he kind of he kind of liked his game of rugby a little too much. But uh, you know, he 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 has to do what he has to do to win. Well, let, let, yeah, just uh, go go into that too. Uh, how uh, how would you feel about a matchup with Wesley Hockey? Perhaps he loves to slug and he's very aggressive. Look, I mean, I'm I'm up to to scrap against anyone. Um, obviously, I like I like to I like having a a, a stand up war, but um, you know, I feel like I'm I I can beat beat anyone really. All right, I love that confidence for sure. Well, Don, that's all the questions I have for you at this time. I want to go ahead and give you this opportunity to. Uh, Give a shout out to your sponsors, and also let the listeners know where you can be found on the internet. Cool, thanks for having me, Billy. Um, just a quick shout out to Bad Boy MMA, uh, Mirage Custom Tattoos, Inflate SA, Snaith Racing. Um, you can get me on Twitter, Don Madge MMA, or you can go to it's it's still in the still in the making, but DonMadge.com. Um, it should be up pretty soon. Magic Man, it's been a real pleasure having you here on the show, and I want to wish you the best of luck in your future, and I definitely look forward to seeing you fight again for sure real soon. Thank you very much, Billy. It's, 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 always, it's always good to be on your show, and um, hopefully I'll see you down here in, in SA.
Hey, looking forward to that for sure. For sure, I'm gonna and have to test test Joffrey Collins. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I'm a little tired, so <laughs> but I will say say bye, donkey, my friend. <laughs> bye, donkey. Yes. And there you have the classic interview with the Magic Man, Don Madge. It's time to go to the next music set. Coming up, we got Blue Ruin, going to be followed by Hayden Kaufman, Tom McDonald, Chris Angelis, and Butt Trumpet. Be back after this. How dare you and who in the hell fuck do you think you are? You're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we're proper gentlemen, because we always ask, Do you mind if I fart? You really know how to waste a Cialis, don't you? You're abusing my fan.
are matched, say hello. Hey. Yeah, hello, man. How are you doing? I'm good, man. What do you get into? Uh, not much. I'm actually sitting here right now. I put a few rubber bands around my balls. I have about six. I've been adding one every two minutes and just seeing what I can handle. What about you? Yes, not quite my scene, but have a great day, guy. I uh, know, but but why not? It's uh, you know, be open-minded. <laughs> She comes here every weekend For a new guy to play Hell, she had one just last Saturday And I'm even guilty Of giving her a whirl But what can I say She's a honky-tonk girl She can't hold her liquor Save her life One little fruity drink And she's done for tonight Where's enough makeup to last her a year Don't have a pair of shorts to cover up Giving her a whirl I hope you can handle a honky-tonk girl Well, I warned you once I told you all about her Except the fact that she rarely showers Don't get me wrong She ain't that bad Hell, ask my drummer about the time he had She took him out to her car is the world now I think he's in love with that honky-tonk girl She can't hold her liquor To save her life One little fruity drink And she's done for the night Where's enough makeup to last her a year Don't have a pair of shorts to cover up her ear So before you think about giving her a whirl I hope you can handle a honky-tonk girl
If you lie to the government, they'll put you in prison. But when they lie to all of us, it's called being a politician. You think taking guns away will save our kids from the killings? But you're pro-choice. Abortion kills way more children. If America's so terrible and racist, it probably isn't safe to encourage immigration. Just saying, all the contradictions are embarrassing. You know who hates America the most? Americans. Trigger warnings used to be on TV for seizures. And now they're everywhere to protect millennials' feelings. He, she, his, him, hers, them, they. Screw a pronoun, cause everyone's a retard these days. Here I'm preaching at the protest that hatred's the problem. But hating straight men, white folks, and Christians is common. Coca-Cola telling people they should be less white. They preach intolerance, but if you disagree, they fight. There's a race war here, elections based on fear. Black lives only matter once every four years. Soldiers died for this country, and every one of us benefits. Give welfare to the bums and forget about the veterans Black folks and white folks divided by the news But we are all the same, we are red, white, and blue Ashamed to be American? Okay, that's cool Cause honestly, we are all ashamed of you too Y'all are so fake, oh no The forecast said that there'd be snowflakes Whoa, you can make us see it your way No way, gasoline and propane More flames, oh no they set us up to fail, that's what they built the system for Put an ammunition shop across the street from a liquor store Empowering women used to be different than this before The role models got OnlyFans or dance on a stripper pole Screw it, I ain't tripping, I don't mean to be mean But if our children are the future, then our future is bleak They take an Adderall to focus, hit McDonald's to eat They're addicted to phones and they take Xanax to sleep They blurred the lines dividing communism and democracy In 2021, we paint the patriots as Nazis The men playing women's sports get trophies for winning Like great, let's celebrate a man for beating some women If you're black, your life matters, you're supposed to embrace it If you're rich or you're smart, then you're probably Asian If you're gay, then you're brave, all of that I'm okay with But if you're white, the stereotype is you are a racist Blaming capitalism like that's the reason things are tough While you tweet from an iPhone and sip on a Starbucks You're supporting what you stand against, you don't think you are But a Percocet addict don't donate money to pharma Damn dog, we're all afraid to speak the truth And the more afraid we get, the more we hate the ones who do You're ashamed to be American? Okay, that's cool Honestly, we are all ashamed of you too. Y'all are so fake. Oh no, the forecast said that there'd be snowflakes. Whoa, you can make us see it your way. No way, gasoline and propane. More flames. Oh no, no more snowflakes. We can all get along, but there's no stopping. Everybody's wrong, that's a real problem. They don't want to hear it, but they still talking. Soon enough, we running out of options. This ain't gonna end till it's in the coffin. We ain't gonna be friends till we try to squash it. I don't know how we can make amends or we drop it. Snowflakes melt when it's hot, kid. Y'all are so fake. Oh no. The forecast said that there'd be snowflakes. Whoa. You can make us see it your way. No way. Gasoline and probe. More flames, oh no, no more snowflakes. I was so tired from 
Picking up the pieces he left You touched my hand I felt that rush Like lightning inside of my chest Falling fast Afraid to crash Torn between my heart and my head Maybe we'll fly or
Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to announce that Outlaw Radio officially has affiliation with MyPillow. Mike Lindell supports America, and we support Mike, but sadly, him and his company have been victimized by this cancel culture. But that's not going to stop Mike from making sure you get the best sleep possible, and now is the time to take advantage of those savings. Go to www.outlawradioabs.com. Go to the store section, click on the MyPillow banner, and start your online shopping. Be sure to use the promo code OUTLAW and get up to 66% off your purchase. And if you act right now, you can get our standard MyPillow for $19.98, regular price $69.98. These pillows are made right here in the USA and are washable. So again, go to www.outlawradioabs.com. Go to the store section. Click on the MyPillow banner and start your online shopping. But remember to use that promo code OUTLAW to take advantage of those savings. Or you can place your order by calling 1-800-652-3982. At some point, you're going to want to consider this. If a national emergency or a natural disaster or even civil unrest should occur, where would you go? Seriously, where? Heading into the sticks with some MREs in a tent might be all right for a week or two, but then what? And who's around you? Who can help you if you need it? And how long would you last without the security and comfort of your own home? If you've asked yourself these questions, consider X-Point. Located in the beautiful Black Hills of South Dakota, a limited number of military-grade hardened shelters originally built by the U.S. government. 80 feet long, 26 feet wide, 12 and a half foot ceilings that you can custom build out to your own tastes. X-Point, a nine-square-mile city of like-minded people who know that the best way to deal with the disaster is to distance yourself from it. If you've always wanted a real bug-out bunker, with the amenities of home, send an email to brendy at arcmidnight.com or text to 817-900-2424. X points. X marks your spot. Chaz Mitchell Custom Hats makes and sells custom hats with a Western influence. These hats are not cheesy, one-size-fits-all, except they're not cowboy hat knockoffs. Chaz Mitchell will custom design and build a genuine hat just for you, the way you want it. Chaz will actually measure your head, talk with you about the hat you desire, make it, and deliver it to you. You'll make a statement every time you put on your hat. Originally from Jiggs, Nevada, Chaz Mitchell grew up cowboy and alongside his father, Waddy Mitchell. They built their first hats together at a workshop in Elko, Nevada. Chaz recalls his father once telling him, make a hat he would be proud to wear. After years of practice and studying hats and their owners, Chaz knows what makes a good hat maker. It's understanding that a hat doesn't only fit the circumference of the head, but also the personality of the owner. Get in touch with Chaz today, and he'll build you a hat you will be proud to wear. Visit Chaz Hats, that's C-H-A-Z-H-A-T-Z dot com. Left-wing community organizers and campus radicals in Idaho are still up to their dirty tricks, teaching Idaho kids from cradle to college that white people are inherently racist. Now, these left-wing nuts are taking the whole race thing to a whole new level with critical race theory. According to critical race theory, teaching children math, arithmetic, is racist. Shakespeare, Shakespeare, racist. Can you say ridiculous? 
Malcolm X warned against critical race theory. It's very harmful. It's wrong. And the leftist nuts teaching this stuff to our children know it. Join Idaho Freedom Action to put an end to this leftist takeover of education in Idaho. Join the fight against the teaching of critical race theory to Idaho's youngsters. Visit IdahoFreedomAction.org today. IdahoFreedomAction.org All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Cold Cock Whiskey, Ridge of Glass. Take a shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, Gear Up, Let's Train, and Neutronics IGF-1, Making Men Men Again. Songs you just heard, you just heard Butt Trumpet with Clusterfuck. Before that, Chris Angeles with Roll the Dice. Before that, Tom McDonald with Snowflakes. Before that, Hayden Kaufman with Honky Tonk Woman. And starting off the whole set, Blue Ruin with Green River Thriller. All right. And I want to remind you to go to the Outlaw Radio store. Yes, go to outlawradioabs.com. That's Outlaw Radio Alpha Bravo Sierra.com. And uh, scroll on down. There's all kinds of things you'll see, but there is My Patriot Supply. So click on the My Patriot Supply banner. Yes. And hey, look at the way uh, inflation is hitting us pretty hard. Yes, uh, gas prices going up, food is disappearing off the grocery store shelves. Make sure you're prepared for when the shit really hits the fan and make sure you're not going hungry. Get yourself some food with a 25-year shelf life, some emergency food. Yes, buckets of that. Yes, for over at My Patriot Supply. So once again, go to outlawradioabs.com. That's outlawradioalphabravosierra.com and click on the My Patriot Supply banner and get yourself prepared. All right, so Matt Connerton is joining me yet again here in the third hour for Outlaw Radio Shower Thoughts. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it has been a while since uh, we've done this on Outlaw Radio. Usually Chris Master will do this, but uh, Matt Connerton from WMNH in Manchester, New Hampshire, is joining me again. And uh, Matt, you're not too familiar with Shower Thoughts, so uh, here's your crash course. <laughs> All right. Well, no, I'm, I'm excited. I do have thoughts in the shower, but I, I'm not uh, familiar with Shower Thoughts uh, per se. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it is amazing that people will actually, actually get disgusted finding a single hair, human hair, while eating the cooked ass of an animal. Well, um, that's because that cooked ass of an animal has been butchered and the hide was taken off and the hair was removed and everything. And, yeah. Right, exactly. Uh, the only time one would be disgusted by the, the eating the ass end of an animal would be if, if there was, like if a hair, if there is a hair present, that would be disgusting. 
But in that context, it would probably be because whoever cooked it, you know, left a hair in it, which would, that would be upsetting. Ooh, I like this one. Most supervillains would probably have succeeded if they had just pretended to be good until they have the power and wealth they want. There's a lot of truth in that. Um, You know, it's funny. I've never thought about this, but yeah, I think that there's probably, you know, because supervillains, they kind of give the game away right up front, right? They, they let you know, like, you know, you see them coming, you know, they're usually wearing some sort of outlandish outfit. Maybe they have some catchphrases that are quite villainous. So it's not like they're going to fool you. Um, So I think that's probably true. It's best to, you know, fly. I mean, for all you know, I could be a supervillain. I could be uh, an international crime lord and you just don't know it. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to put on a a weird outfit and say uh, villainous uh, sounding things and give the game away. (laughs) One day, everyone in the world will completely forget you ever existed. Well, in the case of Crazy Joe... We don't know, a lot of people don't know he exists now, even though he claims to be the most talked about person on the internet. That is true. (laughs) And uh, and he's a real New Yorker. Uh, But uh, this particular shower thought uh, runs through my head uh, thousands of times a day, as I myself am someone who exists in a perpetual perpetual state of uh, existential crisis. (laughs) I wish I was kidding. Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) None of that was a joke. I laugh because that way I don't cry. Gamers have the tensity to collect 300 feathers in a game, but but not have the motivation to clean up their own room. (laughs) Ain't that the truth? (laughs) Well... I won't comment on this one on the grounds that I don't wish to offend our very good friend, Dirk Don of Arrogant Media. <laughs> Except uh, we've seen his videos and his, his place looks tidy enough to me. So That's true. That's a great point. Yeah. He's one of the good gamers. <laughs> if a poor person gets drunk at 9 a.m., they're trashy and an alcoholic. If a rich person does it, it's brunch. yeah that's true that That might uh explain what happened on my show on monday yeah (laughs) i had some drunkards pretty sure they started around 9 (laughs) a.m a janitor has the hardest job he's he's the only one whose work is reviewed from the intern up to the ceo any of them can complain and get him fired Mm-hmm. I, I, I suppose, but, well, not necessarily. Who's going to listen to an intern? Being alive is pretty damn cool, of course. I've never been dead, so I don't know. No one in movies finishes their plates. Oh, no, ask, uh, what was it? Uh, Major Payne. Remember that movie? He, sh- he sure didn't have a problem finishing his plate. That's right. I do remember that movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's true. Or Coneheads. Remember Coneheads, how fast they eat. I never actually saw that. <laughs> I, well, I remember the Saturday Night Live skit. I never saw the movie. The reviews were so bad, I stayed away from it, as did most people, I think. 
Okay, this one doesn't make sense, but I guess I'll read it anyway. Hmm. Jars are really inconvenient vessels for peanut butter. All right. Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> there exists a cereal so terrible that two troops that two scoops of raisins in its main selling point. Okay. <laughs> I have no comment other than I really, I really like that one. <laughs> well, you like Raisin Bran? <laughs> I just like that. <laughs> that is funny, actually. That's pretty good. <laughs> Some poor worker in a bucket factory factory actually has has a bucket list he completes every day. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> One grit sandpaper would just be a rock. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there is absolutely nothing we can do to prevent a random comment from killing us all. That that might be true. Uh, you know, for example, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, just a... a Comment, uh, you know, on the world stage could uh, set off a nuclear war. Oh, here, here's one. Here's one I think you're going to have something to say about. Okay. Dealing with assholes is an important life skill. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I mean, uh, as a uh, talk show host, I've uh, had to deal with a lot of assholes and, uh, I think uh, people tell me I'm pretty good at it, but you know, I have, uh, I mean, I deal with crank callers like I was today on my show. In fact, I deal with all of it, but uh, you know, I am graced under pressure. I'm very patient with people and, um, but it is a life skill that I had to develop because I wasn't always that way. We might be the first generation to witness the first successful fusion reactor. Okay. That's exciting if that happens. That would actually be, I mean, that would change everything. That would be something. I hope it happens. Hollywood can make anything look real, except someone drinking coffee. All right. <laughs> Is that true, though? They, they can't, but... I don't know. I mean, you can CGI it. When you slow down, the amount of slow goes up. I hadn't thought of that, but that literally is true. W has the letter U in phonetic spelling twice. Okay. Actually, it looks more like a double V to me. It does, actually. That's a good point. Why do we call it a W? Why don't we call it a double V? I wonder. Yeah. Dogs on TV don't know they're acting. Yeah, that's true, because from their perspective, they're just uh, trying to get uh, treats or whatever, right? So they have to do, to them, it's all just doing tricks. Okay, hopefully I'll butcher the spelling on this one here. Man uh, Millennio and Z Zilinas, I don't know how, how the hell you... Zillennials, uh, millennials and zillennials are going to seem so much older to our kids than our parents were to us. 
at least we were born in the in some century in the same century as our parents. True, but of course, uh, some people have a hyper simplified view of that. Anyway, for example, uh, Crazy Joe. He thinks that we are all, everyone younger than him, that we're all millennials. Yeah, yeah. Um, and once I mentioned uh, Generation X, which that's you and I, mm-hmm. um, you know, then he's like, then he starts getting tearing into that. And it's like, uh, it's funny too with Crazy Joe is how he tear, tears in, you know, and we talk about uh, this pussified woke society. And he thinks there are no baby boomers that are woke. Uh, uh, I can say Mark Milley. He's a baby boomer. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, I know. He just, he, it, it, it's funny. You know what it is? Crazy Joe thinks that anyone who isn't racist is a liberal and, and a millennial. <laughs> it's amazing. Tell what a delightful you- man. Telling a, telling a billionaire they look like a million bucks may be insulting. <laughs> yeah, probably. I wouldn't say that to Trump, would you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I mean, he, he doesn't want, you know, would, because he takes great pride in being a quote-unquote billionaire. Anyway. <clears throat> if I can remember that, well, somebody, uh, this is before his presidency, too. It's like there's there's no toilet paper. I'll just wipe my ass with hundred dollar bills. I'm very very rich. Yeah, <laughs> and that was nice. that was that was long before his presidency, by the way. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> In a couple of centuries, being seven feet tall may not actually be that special. I doubt that because uh, when you're that tall, you're still going to attract attention. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we are taller than previous generations, but I think it's going to take more than a couple centuries before seven feet tall is uh, perfectly normal. I would I would think. You know, I didn't know this too, and I you know, I'm a fan of country music, but I didn't realize that uh, I never knew that Trace Atkins was a walking t- tower. Oh, really? I didn't know that. How how tall is he? Uh, I'm going to Google that really quick here. Let's see. So I just I just heard this randomly very very recently too. Oh, he, he's okay. He's not as tall as they said. He's sick. He's tall, but he's six six. So I mean, and being well, si- six, that's pretty tall. Six six. Yes, but it's it's nothing overwhelming like being seven foot. Right, right. Yeah. Unless, uh, unless you're a female, which I I did work with a female that was six foot seven. Oh my God! Really? And of course, somebody else that I t- I told about this. Their first reaction were they a transgender? No, they weren't. Why does that have to come into play? There are women that are tall. Haven't you ever been to Russia <laughs> or seen Russian women? <laughs> yeah, six seven though. Wow. Oh yeah, it's, it, and and it's hard what, to fathom. Well, when. She, uh, she has family, you know, um, yeah, I saw, I saw her dad was, her dad's very tall and she's got, she's got, uh, one brother who could soon be in the NBA. So yeah, speed, speed running could be pretty good for slang, pretty good slang for smuggling meth. Okay. (laughs) 
Well, that, that makes sense, right? I mean, I've never uh, partaken in meth, but uh, I assume it does make you uh, run very fast. And uh, you'd probably want to run fast because you want, you know, to keep all the meth for yourself. You don't want someone to get your uh, meth. Oh, no. I, I used to be hooked on that crap and there's nothing. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, when I was when I was uh, my late teens, early twenties, I used to be hooked on that crap, and it's nothing to get into. Yeah, no, definitely not. Whereas I'm I'm a proponent for legalized cannabis. Uh, methamphet- yes. Methamphetamines is illegal for a damn good reason. I just use uh, decongestant. <laughs> your PC game, your UPC game a lot when your fingers rest. WASD on your on your work computers. Okay, I uh, I don't know. I'm that one flew over my head. I I yeah, as a non-gamer, I'm not sure. I yeah, I don't know. Okay, out this one. Everyone is sexier in the dark. <laughs> uh, of course. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> oh boy, here's one, here's one. Okay. It's funny when idiot people think they're smart. Are you listening, Joe? Yeah, <laughs> it, it can be funny, it can be discouraging, it can be infuriating. Um, but yes, the problem is idiot people don't have the self-awareness to know that they're idiots. Like, like our friend, uh, Crazy Joe. The most busted up, nasty, stuffed animals are the most loved. Uh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, well, unless they're busted up because they're neglected and, you know, they've just been thrown into the attic and they've been eaten by mice. Yeah, or, or, somebody, te- or somebody tears a hole in the backside to do nasty things to. Right. That's uh, that's probably a fetish that uh, some people have. <laughs> Technically, Stalin was a social influencer. Maybe to some like uh, Fidel Castro. Yeah, I don't think uh, Stalin. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't on TikTok, was he? No. <laughs> yeah. See. Yeah. So I don't know. The Sims is the meta- metaverse before it was cool. Okay. I think that's true. That makes sense to me. Magicians profit off of others' people's stupidity. <laughs> well, uh, I doubt nah, that. that. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Kissing booths will probably never make a comeback. I'm, I... I I, I think that's true, but I also, but then again, buffets are back. So you never know. They did, uh, they did bring back the salad bar at the supermarket. So uh, anything's possible, but uh, I mean, uh, was that ever really a thing anyway? I feel like that's something in TV and movies. Yeah, You know, I think, I think it is only uh, you have to go to a, an adult shop and pay, pay for uh, some time to get into one. <laughs> oh, well, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> it gets creepier to ask how old someone's kids kid is the older they get. Well, depends on the context. 
Exactly. Like if you you don't want to necessarily be saying to someone, so uh, how old is your daughter? You know, is she uh, grown into her uh, body? You know, you don't want to ask that, certainly. Frogs are the only ones where croaking isn't a bad thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. In the future, artificial intelligence will be so advanced and smooth that the robot dance will disappear. (laughs) Well... Someone will still someone will still have to do it, so humans will continue to do the dance, even if actual robots can't. Okay, I just got to say this because I, 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 one shouldn't speak ill of the dead, but I will, I will on this in this case too, and I hope he's burning in hell. Considering I'm, I'm a, I'm an activist for the country of South Africa and their people there, so I will say this. F.W. de Klerk is the first Nobel Peace Prize winner to die of mesothelioma. He loved, his loved ones may be entitled to financial compensation. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, de Klerk. May you rot, you piece of shit. (laughs) I know who he was, but I don't know enough about him to... Let's just say, I mean, uh, he gets uh, he gets a lot of the credit for ending apartheid with Nelson Mandela, but um, the man the man's got a lot of blood on his hands that a lot of people don't know about. Gotcha. Yeah, I there's I, I know more about the South African politics than uh, than an American should. Yeah, so, huh. and we'll be discussing some of that on your show on Tuesday. Yes, on Tuesday. Yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah. Your phone con- considers your car an accessory. <laughs> I like that. I like that, yeah. People who survive ca- cardiac arrest can celebrate the anniversary of their own death. <laughs> oh, what the, what the hell is this? Okay, the picture. Browse our vibrant collection of ethical fine jewelry and find the perfect gift for the loved one or a treat for yourself. If I can just share my screen with you, those of you listening on audio are not going to see this, but uh, there's just, Matt, there's something wrong here. There is something wrong. There is something wrong. And <laughs> Okay, let's see here. Now you're going to see yourself for a second. Okay. Uh, there you go. Rouse our vibe of ethical fun jewelry to find. <laughs> what a, what a, uh, I mean, one of them looks like a dick. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so I don't mm. normally po- point out things that look like penises, but you know, I'm not Stacy and I'm not Joe. <laughs> right. Well, I, I do think Stacy sent me this picture once, though. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. So, how much? See how much time we got here. Yes, got time for a couple more. Okay. Stamps are the most consistently priced stickers available. Yes. If all the eggs in the world disappeared overnight, a lot of food would have dis- would have to be discontinued. 
Oops. There's a cat rubbing up against my microphone. Uh, yes, uh, that is uh, that is true. Uh, <laughs> All right. If eggs disappeared, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, I got to read this one here. Most bulletproof cars actually never get shot at. <laughs> yes. So. Uh, statistically, that is accurate. Well, well, because you want to save your bullets. If you know it's bulletproof, why waste it? Exactly. Uh, it would not be practical to shoot at a bulletproof vehicle. Yes. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for Shower Thoughts. And it oh. is time to call it a call it a show here. Another great episode of Outlaw Radio. Matt, once again, I want to thank you for stepping up the way you did and saving the show. And uh, uh, before we call it, uh, why don't you go ahead and give uh, Matt Connerton Unleashed a plug? And yeah, notice I'll, I'll say your name correctly, uh, Mister. Yeah, Mister. Colving, <laughs> Mister. Covington. <laughs> I appreciate it, Billy. And thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, you can tune into Matt Connerton Unleashed. So the show is live uh, weekdays from four to six p.m. Uh, on WMNH 95.3, but you can stream it online. If you go to mattconnerton.com, you can stream it right there from anywhere in the world. And then it does replay the next day um, uh, from, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, from 9 to 11 a.m., uh, but um, Tuesday through Tuesday through Friday and then Saturday morning, it's from 7 to 9 a.m. I think I have that right, right, Billy? You do. On, on AOW uh, Radio Network. And thank you for that. Um, and uh, and uh, so there you go. And and of course, it's available on demand after it uh, after it airs and stuff. At, at, you can go to my website for that, mattconnerton.com, for all of your live streaming options and social media links, et cetera. But um, Billy, this has been a lot of fun. I'm really glad you invited me to do this with you. And I'll, you know, anytime. And, yeah. and, uh, and I look forward to talking with you on my show on Tuesday. Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to have some interesting stuff. Uh, so to give the listeners a bit of insight is... Uh, I've been talking about the project I've been uh, wanting to do, uh, writing the horror novel, The Curse of Blood River. And, uh, you know, it's almost time to start that project and get it moving on wheels because I have almost everything I need to make this story successful. And I'm going to be talking about that on Matt Connerton Unleashed. Excellent. Yeah, looking forward to that. I hope you're you're ready for what you're about to hear because, uh, I mean, there's... Some things I'm going to tell you that are going to that are going to paint a very ugly picture, unfortunately. Okay. But but, rea- okay. but reality isn't always pretty. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So what's on tap for next week is yet to be determined. But uh, I promise I'm going to have a more organized show for you, even though this one really wasn't that bad. I'm going to end the show with Cestus. Yes, uh, the band out of Boise, Idaho. No longer together, but still left behind some pretty good music. This is their song, Claw This Wall. Thank you very much for tuning in to Outlaw Radio, and I will be back next week. Are you tired of modern pop music that sounds like a dog fucking a squeaky toy? Well, that's why you're listening to Outlaw Radio. We tell bad bed music to piss up a rope. We give you our opinions, and if a fight breaks out, so fucking what? This is Outlaw Radio.
T-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, caps, beanies, koozies, banners, and even masks. You can get them all custom-made from Fresh Baked Tees. Prices are reasonable and negotiable. Simply go to FreshBakedTees.com, submit your logo, and place your order today. Support Outlaw Radio and friends and buy some cool stuff in the store section of OutlawRadioABS.com. Show the world how much you love Outlaw Radio with Outlaw Radio t-shirts and hats. In the CTM store, a service of Caravan to Midnight, find items to help make your life easier and better, including the new Eden Nutritional Support System, Dr. Tung's Ionic Toothbrush, the High Ion BioKey Quantum Scalar Energy Pendant, and EMF Mitigating Fabrics and Clothing. Get the best night's sleep in the whole wide world and more with Mike Lindell's my pillow pillows and other products click on the my pillow banner in the outlaw radio store use promo code outlaw and save up to 66 percent are you and your family prepared for the next unplanned emergency visit my patriot supply and purchase buckets of food with a 25 year shelf life in the cranked up coffee shop a service of cranked up live entertain your taste buds with coffee that even the aficionados love visit outlawradioabs.com and click on the store link a service of outlaw radio and AO W Productions. You've heard the phrase, America's most loved brands. And what exactly did our loyalty to some of those most loved brands get us? I'll tell you what, money and lots of it. For organizations and their ideologies that directly conflict with American core values and the American way of life. 
Enter Etruzu.com, a place for patriots to buy and sell. You can open your own online store for as little as $25 per month and grow your business as big as you want. Buy from patriots and sell to patriots. Everything from ordinary household items to absolutely anything that's available from companies that do not have our country's best interests at heart. With Etruzu.com, you know who you're buying from and you know who you're selling to. Let's make your brand one of America's most loved. Get started at Etruzu.com. E-T-R-U-Z-O-O.com. Etruzu, a place where patriots buy and sell. Hi, it's the Big Voice Guy. The one who intros and promos the show you're listening to right now. Hi, my name is Jim Hunt. I voice for a growing list of internet and terrestrial radio stations, podcasts, and businesses. I'd love to spread the word about yours, too, no matter if the message is serious or silly. Whether you want the delivery to be hard-hitting, voice of authority, or conversational, warm, and fuzzy. From fully produced station imaging and commercials to custom phone system messages on hold and IVR prompts, voiceovers for computer games to narrations for presentations, even post-production audio editing and audio cleanup services. Yeah, I do them too. I'm your guy. I do business as Jim Hunt voiceovers and audio services. My rates are reasonable and negotiable because I love internet radio too. Visit my website, jimhuntvo.com. I'm Jim Hunt, at your service. Put my voice and audio production skills to work for you. Let's do this. You have been listening to Outlaw Radio. Be sure to leave your feedback by calling 208-957-7016. All feedback is played and replied to on the show. Visit our official website at outlawradioabs.com. Outlaw Radio is a presentation of AOW Productions. Well, here I am sitting on a porch writing another song. Wailing Willie, David Allen Cole You can't go wrong Such great outlaw boys just like me Man, can't you see Because you can't go wrong with one good outlaw song
this old song About Waylon and Willie David Allen Coe The man in black and the possum George Jones Can't go wrong Can't go wrong 